Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and I'll be right back in 30 seconds after I boil an egg. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable, the amazing, the fabulous. And as Cal. Cal can never wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, that went me. badly wrong, didn't it? All away from <laughs> whoever the hell that is. Get uh, that call. No, I'm not giving that call. We want to know who it is. Put them on air. That's the host line. It's a pain in the ass. I swear they do it on purpose. Anyway, (laughs) joining me from across the pond is the ghost standing and ghost hunting, Steve Parson. Good evening. So before I get on the air, I said we had 30 seconds. They... Roy told us we had 30 seconds. I said, well, you said you can't boil an egg. And then I said, well, you don't know that. And I kind of figure that's my biggest pet peeve of, of most people like you Parsons that assume mm. I don't need to assume it's based on good logic it's not based on good logic it's based on logic pure logic because if it takes three minutes to soft boil an egg and four and a half minutes to hard boil an egg 30 seconds is uh, what it's 20 what? someone might like a 36 second boiled egg well they'll die no one's ever tried it. They'll die. They'll get salmonella and never heard die. You guys just assumed that it was just like... No, I didn't assume. I made an educated guess. Exactly. Based, based See, on like good you. and sound logic. I don't like you. I don't guess at things. I, based I try on to, good and I try sound. Well, tell you what. You go boil an egg for 30 seconds, crack it open, take a spoonful while we're on air, and tell me what it's like. Ah, sorry, my God, I don't have any eggs here. What a shame. There you go. Well, we'll arrange that for next week. Next week, Ron's going to eat a 30-second boiled egg. (laughs) Make sure my life insurance is paid up first. (laughs) I see. You won't test it, will you? Uh, Uh, Now, now, okay, why won't you test it? Because I don't have any information cooking an egg. No, because you're basing your lack of willingness on the same logic that I am. No, I just don't think it's worth my battle. That's why I... No, 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 no. You know that there's a very high probability that the egg will not be cooked and that you will have salmonella. You know, there's not salmonella in every egg, you know. Uh, well, a few years ago, the British Health Minister claimed that there well, was. Well, that's the British. I mean, they had bad cow disease. Do I have to say anything else? Which we got from America. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah, right. That's why you, you killed all your herds, but we didn't. <laughs> Strange. Well, look at your president. There's a classic case of BSE. <laughs> oh, you trash my man. Anyway. <laughs> well, it, or, well, it may or may not have been him, but we'll still keep a good relationship with him nonetheless. Yeah, now that nobody else in the world likes you. Huh? I'm talking about that you, Now that you're leaving the Euro now, nation. I was referring to his latest statement. 
Well, whatever. Anyway, we're here to talk about other things, I think. We are. We are, yeah. Right, let's, right. let's leave your poor ailing president to one side. Yes. Anyways, I did see a... Uh, no, I said president, not economy, because your economy is doing quite well under the... Um, under Can we the... go back to what I'm talking yeah, about? Yes, sorry. I, I saw a documentary on uh, something I had never heard of before, and that was the Thames Barrier. And you know quite a bit about it because you've been there. Uh, <laughs> Unlike, well, I've seen some it, Americans yeah. that just, you know, read about it and see about it and think they were know it all about it, but uh, I don't want well, to see I mean, that. I've seen the barrier. Yeah, um, so, yeah. Were well, you uh, around when they built it? Do you know when they built it? Or? Um, it's about 30-something years ago now, 30-something years. Yeah, I remember it being built. I remember because it was a vast engineering. It was one of, uh, before the Channel Tunnel, it was one of the largest engineering products ever, um, ever, you know, tried in the in the UK since it, it, the, since yeah. the Industrial Revolution. Uh, you know, we, we should probably explain this because, you know, there are some people that don't know what the hell we're talking about, to be honest Sorry, with you. I'm just, re I'm just reading the very interesting note put up by um, Roy. The, center, the CDC estimates that one in 20,000 eggs are contamin contaminated with salmonella. The oh, inside of eggs that appear, that appear normal can contain a germ called salmonella that can make you sick, especially if you eat raw or lightly cooked eggs. Oh, we won 20,000. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Guess, I'll take those odds. Right, we'll go on then. So on next week's show, Ron is going to boil oh, it. Oh, what's make it worth my while? I'm not going to do it for nothing. Um, uh... Come on, come on, put up the cash. Put up the put up the pounds. <laughs> put up the pounds. I'll tell you what. I'll set. I'll send a get well card. Yeah, there you go. What do you mean? Sorry, Jan yeah. Janet, Janet will send you a thank you card when she collects my life insurance. <laughs> anyway, back to the Thames Barrier. Um, yes, Thames Barrier. I mean, so for those who quick... don't know what the hell we're talking about, can you explain it for me? Do you want me to? And I, I hate doing it because I'm American. I just sound so pretentious. I thought Americans were well. Whenever we have anything on, you know, British stuff, we, we you know, we, we usually trot out an American these days. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it's it's you know not one of my pet peeves, but that's the way it is. Uh, happy to, um, happy to. Uh, the temp, the the London um, is on the River Thames. I'll be there to correct you anyway, so don't worry. Okay. Uh, and London is relatively low level. Uh, uh, low lying and is and was always has been very susceptible uh, to flooding. It lies at the bottom end of the uh, North Sea, where the the uh, it narrows through the English Channel, and so when you have uh, certain weather conditions and high tides, it'll drive the water down the North Sea, uh, where it bulges up, um, uh, and then floods over into in well, it did flood over into london it still could uh, and to prevent that because obviously london is a center for commerce and a huge population area uh, in the early 70s i think it was they decided that uh, as part of the flood defenses for the city of london that they would construct a barrier now one of the other problems that they had to deal with of course is that the barrier uh, London is a port and you have to allow shipping through so the barrier has to move it has to get out of the way uh, awesome. so that ships can can pass freely through it and then be brought down um, when they need to protect the city from and th these these weird barriers um, 
the or casements as they're called these casement gates are housed uh they have this sort of weird i don't know how you describe it uh, they're funky aren't they yeah they're, they're, they're sort of curved um, they, they, you know what they look? They remind me of Steve. They look like a, a ship that's been stuck in the mud. You know, keel first. Yeah, it's I like mean, abs- uh, yes. yeah. Part of the design actually was to reflect this idea of sails, uh, and they do. Yeah, with yeah, they do kind of look like a billowing ship sail. But there's there are very highly polished metallic uh, yeah. silver, um, presumably aluminium, um, and it was. Uh, it, it was. I mean, it was. It was a vast undertaking. The doors themselves, or the gates, the barriers, uh, don't lift up and down. Uh, in no, which is the cool place. thing. This is what I find they, fascinating. They actually, they actually rotate, and so mm-hmm. at, when they're not being used, they lie flat on the bottom of the river. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, when they're needed, the gate will rotate uh, around a, a pivot point in the in these silver buildings, which are the te- which are actually the. Uh, mechanisms for driving the individual barriers mm-hmm. um, and they 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 can be brought up to different heights so you can you can have it you know fully fully or partially and some and you can have some of them open and some of them closed because what they also need to do one of the other constraints on the barrier design uh, was that the thames is is a a very big river and covers and has its own very big sort of floodplain and catchment area. It flows yeah. right through right through the heart of England. So if you've got very bad weather uh, can, um, and a lot of rainfall, the Thames itself is prone to flooding and has done quite in quite recent times. Only a few years ago, it flood it it it, it was in flood. Right. And if you have the barriers closed, of course, you're stopping the water getting back out to sea, mm-hmm. draining. So you have to allow. Uh, the mechanism has to allow for being open and closed quite quickly so that you can protect against very high tides, but also allow the water to get out and ships, of course, to get in and out, but allow the water to get out at low tide so that you can drain the floodplain. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so it, it's quite a ways down from the city of London. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's you know, sort of further down river, but you, you, you can actually tour it. Uh, oh, really? There are, you know, you can go visit it. You can um, uh, tour around it. Uh, it's it's also imper- I mean, it's mechanically uh, fantastic. And I just mm. talked about ships, but it has been hit a few times. I do remember it makes the news periodically when some idiot in a boat rams it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but it's it's survived so far. Um, and, but the, just to give you a, a better visual picture of it, if you picture like the pylons of a bridge, they have that cement thing, and then they have these structures on top of it, so it's not. Yeah, they're, they're kind yeah. of also a bit like the Sydney Opera House in miniature, I suppose. Yeah, that's a that's a good analogy too, right? And and uh, the part of the problem, I guess, and, and this is with with most urban areas, areas is that unfortunately. Uh, they're paving everything up. So when you get some bad weather, there's a lot of rain. Well, I know England never gets rain, but it, and when they occasionally do, uh, it has no place to go. So it goes into the river. And the sewer systems, by the way, which are, are ancient as well, uh, become overwhelming. Then you get sewage into the river as well. But uh, there's no place for the water to go into the ground. So I, I was looking at uh, they have some passive 
ways that they're attacking this problem, which is building like pavers, but having spaces between the pavers so the, the rain can be absorbed into the ground. And also uh, green areas, because they paved over a, a great deal of the green area around uh, London. So it's a fascinating uh, topic. And I was watching this documentary until I fell asleep, of course. Uh, but that will never find. It was intriguing, though. Well, I've just pulled up some stats for it. And oh, did you? Oh, great. 520 meters, 570 yards uh, at its length. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of the gates is around 200 tons. Oof. Uh, there are four central gates. They're 60 feet high. Sorry, uh, they each gate weighs 3,700 tons. It was oh the rotating God. mechanisms that weigh 40 t- uh, 20 tons. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Uh, there are there are some of the gates uh, that say there's some that are openable and some of them are uh, you can't take a ship through. Right. Uh, but it's designed for. Incidentally, um, pulling up the information about it, um, the, it's also been used in. Um, there was. Uh, it has an annual test where they crash close it mm-hmm. to see to see how it would um, would it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and when when was it? There was a ship, the Marchioness. Um, oh, it, uh, here goes the details. Here, in August 1989, I remember this on the news. Um, there was a pleasure ship, um, like a nighttime cruise, a booze cruise ship. Uh, and it, well, it, it sank with great, you know, with a quite a considerable loss of life. Oh, and what what they did was actually close the barrier. Uh, to allow the tide, uh, you know, the, the to assist with the, so they could work on the uh, salvage operation. So they they basically stopped the tides uh, whilst they were working on the oh, that's um, pretty cool. rescue operation. Uh, now it's going to have to be. They're talking about um, it was designed to last a hundred years, mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately, it wasn't supposed <laughs> to be used as much as it's being used. No, it's being used quite a considerable. It gets used an average number of uh, six or seven times a year. It was designed to be used once or twice a year, mm-hmm. uh, with a, it, it, to protect against those one in a hundred years uh, storms. Right. And, of course, and you know, it's good, but too, you know, if you have like Godzilla or something, you can put up that gate and kind of protect the inner harbor where they bring down the patrol ships and shoot shoot at them, you know. That's right. And um, it's, uh, it's, they're talking about replacing it. Not with, um, I mean, it needs, it needs maintenance and replacement, but a bigger barrier. It's big brother. Um, and they're doing studies further down, uh, downstream. Um, right. Because the the the, the uh, ocean level is rising. And, well, yeah, uh, yeah, yes, and also too because the barrier itself is is aging, um, right. and you know it won't. Well, last that's forever. right. They're building a bigger one though too. Is but to, but to... but it's Big Brother. They're going to put hydro hydroelectric turbines into it. Ooh. Um, and also well, ro- ro- road and rail tunnels so that they can hopefully to be solar operated, so we don't have any. Well, interestingly, yes. uh, here in Wales. Uh, mm-hmm. Cardiff already has one in Swansea, uh, a city about 60 miles from here. Uh, they both have uh, similar barrier project, uh, similar barriers. No, they do. Cardiff has got one completed. Swansea hasn't yet. To take effect, to take advantage of, um, primarily to take advantage of 
Britain's almost unique position in that we have some of the highest tides in the world. And what, what, they, what they've um, figured out is that this tidal energy can be used to, can be captured and can right. be used yeah. to driven uh, turbines. And Cardiff already has this. Mm -hmm. uh, they do protect the city from um, bad weather. Um, but primarily their role is also in hydroelectric generation and car. Yeah. Uh, and there are plans for 30 more of these around the UK in, in the coming years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, uh, that was one of the things when I was in going to college that we were looking at as, as part of my environmental program is harnessing tidal energy. Uh, which is, you know... Well, we have a project here in... We out, right out here in West Wales. Um, they've uh, built a few years ago. It was on the quayside for about six months till they shipped it out and dropped it into the water. Mm. A big... Um, like an undersea windmill. Yeah. It, yeah. It, looked like a, it, it looked like a sort of huge concrete and steel weight. And on top of it was this... Uh, for all the world, it looked like a very big ship's propeller in a yeah. pod. And then that's that's currently on the seabed about 20 miles from here, um, between an island and the mainland where the the uh, English Channel, sorry, the yeah, the Atlantic meets the Irish Sea, and so you have very much higher tidal races, and the planning to the the testing it currently, and if it's successful, they're going to put a line of them, um, you know, out to sea where they yep. can be driven by the in both directions in and out going tide. You know, it's always cost for that because, you know, that it, everything uh, has an effect on something else. I mean, you know, the wind turbines they're putting out, they're having problems with, uh, uh, you know, birds being hurt and, and noise pollution. And then even the solar farms they have and how the, some of the poor birds are getting zapped as they go through the, the solar farms. And Yeah, there was, I was I reading about a solar farm in... Uh, one of the southwestern states of the USA, yes, where they've, yeah. had to, they've had to divert aircraft away from it because at certain times of the day, the pilots are blinded by the sunlight Absolutely. reflecting Absolutely. back up again. Yeah, some, some birds actually get, you know, toasted right away. They go into it because what it we is, have a, it's, it's a central tower where all the, yeah. the uh, sun is collected and driven to here into the solar collector. It's, it's, yeah, we have I mean, a It's amazing engineering. There's a building in London. It's a, it's a curved building. One yeah, I saw that. Yep. And it, it, the way they've curved it at certain times of the day in the summer, people can't walk on the street, and cars have actually melted. Yeah, I saw because that. In that, in the, that. on the street in London, cars are, are melting mm -hmm. because of this sort of uh, reflective. Yep. So what they're trying to do now is they're going to spray it with some uh, anti-reflective material. To try to stop yeah, it that, melting. That's not that uncommon. Cars. I mean, there are there are houses in the United States where uh, the new solar windows and everything, the sun comes up it and it, it gets so hot from the reflection that, that it's melted the uh, uh, vinyl siding on the house next to it. That's that's <laughs> in many cases of that. Well, but anyways, going, going back to our uh, uh, title and, and water uh, topics we were talking about is that I was. Uh, Received a tweet from the SPR today, the the Society for uh, Psychical Research, in which you they are nice to you, aren't they? Yes, yes. I don't know why you don't get it. You like the big wig there, but I anyway. did actually, but I didn't see it earlier uh, before you oh. saw it. I, I noticed it. Well, so, you know, some of us don't spend our life on social media. Oh, okay, whatever. Uh, so, anyways, and, and, and the topic was about uh, strange accounts of fishermen and the paranormal. 
And that kind of fits in what we were talking about, a little, little title and everything. So I thought we'd talk about that a little bit. Do you uh, you want to go down that route with me? or Let's take a boat ride. Let's take a boat ride. All right, so do you want to start off? Uh, well, you read the article. Yeah, but the, I mean, the article is filled with stories, and we'd like to... I, I, well, I mean... The, right. The, there are, I mean, maritime, uh, there are countless maritime tales associated. Yeah, but these I mean, are fish, big ones that I haven't heard before. Yeah, but I mean, fishermen, fishermen are, um, by their nature, the, the men who go to sea and fish are incredibly superstitious. You know, no women allowed, no whistling allowed. You know, they've got so many superstitions. It's not surprising that we have a wealth, an, an absolute wealth of paranormal stories attached to seafarers and fishermen and um, anybody that goes to sea, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the most famous photographs, uh, paranormal, uh, claimed to be paranormal photographs of a oh. genuine ghost, is, of course, the guy that face. fell overboard. and his The face faces in the waves, right? The face in the waves, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's so well known that just Google it. I mean, everybody will recognise it immediately. They see it, but these new, these new stories that uh, they didn't come from the SPR. The SPR were a direct, were directed. Yeah, but I received their tweets when yeah. I'm telling you. Um, this actually I, I originates um, on the Mysterious Universe right. uh, website, mysteriousuniverse.org, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it talks about for many not much in life is as relaxing as going out to a favourite fishing spot on a fine day and throwing in a line. Uh, sitting back, taking in nature, fresh air, and waiting for not much to happen. It sounds a bit like ghost hunting, but by daylight, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it can be cathartic, deeply rewarding. Only that nature, doesn't. I think. Yeah, that doesn't sound like ghost hunting. <laughs> um, but um, it says, so much, ghost, much ghostly phenomena witnessed by fishermen congregate around lakes and other bodies of water that appear to be haunted. One such place is the tidal estuary along North England's northern coast, um, the River Humber. According to the site British Paranormal, since World War II, there have been sightings of a spectral young woman with long hair and dressed in formal military attire who prowls these waters. I've got a problem with that straight away. Uh, anyway, the ghost minute, is the called... Queen, the Queen dressed in proper English attire uh, it's, well. the, it's It's the long hair. Because, oh, that's true. That's true. Because their hair must be worn up. Yeah. Because the queen, the queen had shot here too, right? Well, it's not. It's not the length of the hair, but if they have long hair, it must be worn up above the collar. Ah, makes sense. Um, so anyway, um, the ghost is called the Lady of the Humber, and which I will take over and now. And well, I've just finished this paragraph, and she's said to appear as a floating, submerged apparition, gliding gracefully through floating, the water. Floating, submerged. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Actually, you know, that reminds me of um, when I was uh, up at Loch Ness. We were uh, we were confronted by a guy who was a, a bit of a skeptic, and um, we were talking to him, and he said, "Oh, there's a lot." Like uh, we were showing him a picture of the of, of one of the humps in the water. He said, well, "That's not a monster. That's a submerged rock." Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the Lady of the Humber is said to appear as a floating, submerged apparition, gliding gracefully through the water, face up, with her eyes wide open and her mane of hair lazily floating about her pale face. Does that sound like the Lady of the Lake in King Arthur tales? 
They also sound a bit Lord of the Ringish, but there we go. Yeah, that too. Well, they all get it from King Arthur, though. I mean, that's the original good tale. That she made a. She came out and gave the. Whatever. We won't go to that. Anyways, the Lady of Humber is the most often cited by fishermen in the area who described as being startled as they see the ghostly form of a young woman and often thinking she is a drowning victim, yet they, when they go to try to pull her out of the water, she vanishes right before their eyes, not sinking away into the gloom below or being pulled out by the current, but literally blinking out of existence. The details of the military uniform. Here we go with that military uniform. She is said to be dressed uh, is uh, curious, as the region was the scene of some fierce fighting during World War II. Was it really? Uh, yes. Really? Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and and uh, even before that, there were uh, fertility. Fer- yeah, fertilities. <laughs> there were fertilities, were there? Yeah, fertilities in the area. <laughs> fatalities in the area. Uh, such as there were probably tra- quite a few fertilities in the car. Yeah, probably too. <laughs> such as the tragic crash of British airship R three eight, or R three eight, if you're a pirate, uh, which plummeted into the estuary and killed 44 of the 49 crew on board on August 23rd, 1921. Is the ghostly woman one of the many dead? Ooh, I don't know. What do you think? Wow. Well, I mean, I, first of all, she's not associated with R38 because uh, I had to look at the crew list and they're all men. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and she's obviously not a stowaway. Uh, <laughs> uh, R38 was one of our re, um, bigger ships, a Zeppelin uh, type airship, and it did indeed crash uh, on that day with the loss of 44 of its crew. Uh, all of which are named on the manifest, and uh, including the survivors and those who were killed, um, and they're all men. In fact, uh, uh, there were two civilians as well, but they were nonetheless they were all they were all men. Yeah, no, I was just curious if they were. All so, men. Uh, but I mean, I, it doesn't say that she's from there. It just no. simply says that you know that's one of the things that took place there. R thirty eight said, "Is the ghostly woman one of the many dead?" This area claimed internally roaming the water. Oh yeah, so they don't really. No. Yeah. So we'll 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 we'll. Give, they give we'll, you the little tope and then pull it back. So why is it a? I mean, what what was spot there? What was? I mean, I'm not well, sure. Well, the Humber, the Humber Humber Estuary is um, it's sort of located halfway up uh, England's east coast, and it was a major it it, it was a major port, um, and and came under regular sort of n- n- um, German naval bombardment and attack, and also oh. the German Air Force were involved mining it to prevent British shipping um, using the port successfully during the war. Both, both wars, World War One and II. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I get it. So it was more naval operations, no land operations there, right? No, there was no land operations. Okay. All right, so you want to uh, grab another one? Uh, no, because I'm aware that the tunes have just crept up on us. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, all right, we'll take a break then. We'll be back. Welcome to Tokyo. 
Radio with a cutting edge. Hi, Steve Parsons here looking for sea monsters in Tenby, West Wales. And I'll be over in New England looking for your sea monsters this coming fall. Join me, Ron Kolek, and a host of others at Spirit Quest 2018. We'll see you there. Mysterious and spooky, they all talk ugly gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Nautical edition, an aquatic edition of Ghost Chronicles. Aquatic, I like that. Aquatic edition, yeah. Um, triggered by uh, a tweet from the Society for Psychical Research highlighting the mysteriousuniverse.org site, which talks about aquatic specters, spooks, and spirits. And scrolling down a little bit, I found one from your neck of the woods. This one is a ghostly apparition from Eastbridge, Rhode Island. Uh, where the writer claims to have had an encounter with the ghosts of what are called wreckers, bandits who once tricked ships into crashing yeah, into the sea. Uh, as we call them, uh, moon curses. We have them here too. Um, mm. uh, these would use lanterns to lure ships onto the beach. I would have thought if you start waving lights around, most ships would have the common sense to turn around and head away from the lights, but nonetheless... These violent themes were the scourge of America during its colonial days, but they were not something one would expect to see in modern times, at least not alive, the witness says. I was fishing with my father, and as I got down to the beach, we saw some odd drag marks in the sand. After about half hour of beach casting, we made our way back to the truck, and as we hit the parking lot, our German shepherd started acting really weird. We were loading up the truck with our gear when we saw a light coming out of the dunes. As we got a good look, we saw it was an old 17th or 18th century lantern. Then we saw two more lights and four people walked out wearing colonial clothes. At that that point, we just threw everything in the truck, picked up our now growling dog and blasted out of there. As we pulled out, our lights went right over the people and we saw they were wearing ratty, colonial style clothes it really freaked us out well there you go mm. but why I don't know I don't know why they were freaked out I mean personally I'd have got out and asked them what they were it's doing not like, it sounds like most ghost hunters well yeah let's run away the thing the th- the th- I mean wreckers as we called them here in the UK um, and they were well known all around our coast um, for luring ships onto the beaches or onto rocks mm-hmm. by pretending to be uh, lighthouses or whatever um, and then plundering the the uh, the wrecked ship um, and, and indeed in many cases killing the survivors 
Um, this is true. Obviously, made it safely to shore. They were, you know, then into the hands of the captors, and oftentimes were killed. Um, but I don't doubt. I don't doubt the 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 account. Uh, you know, people do see strange things. Um, but what, what? Well, there are some details. I mean, they saw some odd drag marks in the sand. Now that intrigues me. And then they they saw lights um, and they recognised the. So I think drag marks, lights, and then figures. You could just be dealing with real people. Real people. Yeah, you know, they, they, uh, so they didn't hang around to find out, right? I they guess. didn't hang around to find out. Um, mm. You know, I mean, ghosts. There's not many accounts of them leaving physical marks in the sand, drag marks. It doesn't say what the drag marks are for. And with it, I know. You know. I mean, they they could be they could be from anything really. They could be entirely disconnected from from the the apparitional, if indeed it was an apparition. Um, and we 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 actually don't get a great deal of uh, information, but some of it does jar a little bit. There are the drag marks. They're physical. Uh, then nothing happens for about a half hour, and it could have just been that there was a bunch of reenactors in the dunes, or you know they could have been making a a movie about you know uh, about the time, the period, and then were just heading back to their own trucks true. or whatever. So true. But these guys just up sticks and, as it said, uh, hightailed it out of there, blasted out of there, really freaked out. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, an interesting story. I, I agree. Um, we do have I, some some ghosts of wreckers in the UK, most mostly associated with um, well, there's a, there's uh, wreckers and smugglers. Uh, oftentimes, the wrecker ghosts are associated with the Cornish coast um, and lights seen along the Cornish coast and figures seen along the Cornish coast associated with the wreckers' tales. Uh, but up in the northwest of England, where I'm from, um, there are. There is an account of uh, a building called Mother Redcaps. And she was a real figure in history, and she ran a, a tavern. And the tavern was the uh, home of the wreckers. It was their hideout. It was their headquarters. Uh, it was in the cellars of Mother Redcaps. They used to store their loot. And the building is said, was, it's been demolished now, unfortunately. But the building is uh, and was said to be uh, haunted by the wreckers um, who who used to frequent it. Mm-hmm. So, there we are. Uh, someone asked about the uh, burning building. I tried to post it in one of the chat rooms and I couldn't, but I did post it in our Facebook page, which is Ghost Chronicles International. So I posted both the barrier link and the link to the burning buildings for those who are uh, enthralled by it. Excellent. I'm right on the top of my game. Well, that's good. Oh, there's another one here from America, from Jamestown, Rhode Island. Um, this guy had been out fishing at the fort in Jamestown, Rhode Island, when his friend wandered off to the boat dock. He came running back out several minutes later in a blind panic, saying that he had heard someone walking behind him and following him, even though there was no one else there at the time. It was apparently so unsettling that his friend never went back to fish at that spot again. 
but the witness did go back the following summer and he says, I decided to fish the spot by myself. I had completely forgotten about my friend's experience. Yeah, right. And as I got to the dock and unloaded everything and started to soak some bait, it was a clear moonless night with no breeze and no wind. And after about a half hour, I started to smell perfume around me. I thought it was pretty weird since I was the only one there. The smell got stronger and stronger, so I walked about 10 feet to my right, and the smell disappeared. I walked back to my original spot, and the perfume smell was still there, but stronger than ever. It was strong to the point that my nose started to burn. At that point, I said, where the hell is this smelling from, uh, smell coming <laughs> from? Soon after that, the smell disappeared. That's when I packed up and left. I've never been back to this spot. Hmm. They don't hang around, do they? Yeah, you know, I was just reading another one, and it was the same thing. And it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, what do they think? So this one, this one I'm going to talk about comes from, uh, uh, where is this? Gosfield Park Lake. About uh, a couple of guys that were uh, cop fishing. Go cop fishing? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah we fish for cops. Cops, cops. <laughs> As darkness begun to fall. Who are you, the teller of curious tales? <laughs> As darkness began to fall. You know, I was coming off really good until you messed me all up. Man, as darkness began to fall, a little light, but a cold breeze sprang up from nowhere. Just chilly enough to make you lift the collar of your shirt and shrug your shoulders. Even more strange was that it seemed to come from a dense wooded area, which kissed, kissed the lake, I said, and ran back up the hill where the hall once stood. The hall, what hall? Hmm. All right. Trying to think of it. Oh, Gosville Place. That's what it, it was. a Georgian classic house built in the 1800s. So that's what the hall they're talking about. Just thought you might want to know that. We became aware of a great presence descending upon us. Hmm. I wonder how they figured that out. Hard to describe it. It just felt heavy, dark, and very sad. Now the three of us were well-seasoned anglers, spending much of our time fishing after dark, often alone. This was something else, something we had never experienced before or since. Thank God. I think I'll call it a night, said one of them. Feels like a storm is coming. The others agreed and said uh, we would stop for a pint. A pint on the way home. Sounds like England to me. It is England. It is? Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. Where was I? Oh, yeah, stop the pint. Park. Yeah, stop in the pub. From out of nowhere, a scream rang out. Ah! A scream so loud. No, it rang out. Bong. Oh. <laughs> a scream so loud that you couldn't think straight. We froze to the spot and reached for our torches. Yeah, it is English. No one talks this way. They didn't work. Three torches and not a glimmer between them. That's normal. We buy cheap batteries. This is getting scary. The scream turned to a wail, still loud, 
<laughs> and one long note drowning our voices as we tried to speak. We knew what each other was saying. And within a minute, we all tackled, all our tackle was retrieved. Line bitten through, stuff we just grabbed and stumbled our way along the field bank towards the iron bridge. And the old driveway and the sanctuary of our car. The wheels bawled our every step, growing neither louder not quieter. Ted was the first to reach the bridge. And as he set foot on, the, on it, all fell silent. Very silent. Painfully silent. Like me reading this story. <laughs> I reached out <laughs> for my torch. And yes, it worked. And so did the others. We looked at each other in disbelief. But did not utter a word. What could we say? And if we spoke, would the screen start again? No, we just looked and then continued to the long walk to our cars. How many times I have looked over my shoulders, I would be guessing. <sighs> but it was a, but it was a lot in the same. What? Oh, same thing happened to the other two. We didn't stop at the pub. Never we went drove back. Home blah, blah, blah. In fact. It was more than a week that we spoke about it again. So there you go. They all have that same um, ending, don't they? They all sort of leg it and don't come back. Yeah, I noticed that. The, the, other, thing, the other thing that, that struck me is that yep. um, while you were telling yours, I was, but I was also looking through some of the others, you know, choosing, you know, choosing something suitable, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Perhaps, but one thing that did strike me is that this, particularly in the last story, they claim that you know this guy he went there a year before they they had something happen and then he went back a year later having forgotten all about it and yet when he writes it was life well well nonetheless he forgot all about it but then he could remember it well enough to write it down, which proves he hadn't forgotten about it at all. It's true, absolutely. Because, you know, you thought, well, I don't know why I was there. Because, yeah, oh, somebody reminds you. I mean, I forget stuff. And then somebody will remind you of something. But, um, yeah, I, a lot of these are starting to strike me as just stories uh, by people. I mean, if you're out at the end of a dock, um, if you're out in the woods, you're down by a riverbank or a stream at night. I mean, you and I have stood on the North Bridge at Concord at night um, on our that own. That was cool. It was very cool, we, but some people would find that very disconcerting. Yeah. You know, it was, it was still, the, we could hear animal noises, we could hear noises, we presume they're animals, we could hear the, the, the river gurgling. Oh, demons. And, you know, I think a lot of it, your imagination takes hold, and you, they don't look back. They don't go and look for the cause of the sound, or ask, you know, go up and approach these people walking through the dunes with lights and say, hey, how's it going? What are you doing, bro? Uh, yeah. They just they just hightail it out of there. Or, or even, you know, even just hang around and see what happens next. Because, you know, you kind of would. They're, they're not threatening. I would. They're you just would. Pe 
Well, they're just you, you're just a bunch of guys coming through the dunes wearing you know period costumes, carrying lanterns. Now that would pique my curiosity. I wouldn't even presume that they were ghosts. I would be curious. As, I mean, I stood on um, you know battlefields in the middle of the night, uh, late at night, and seen people wearing period costume. And my first assumption, and it was the correct assumption as it turned out, that we were dealing with reenactors. Um, you know, there was no, there was no pre- presumption right. that they were ghostly. There was, it was unusual, and that piqued my interest. And so I hung around to see what happened next. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I didn't grab the dog. We didn't have one, but I didn't grab some, a passers-by dog and throw it in the back of the truck and hightail it out of there. Oh, because it doesn't strike me as normal. Um, you know, I think most people would hang around, or these days would get the smartphone out and video it to see what happened next. Um, anyway, and we've got an underwater one um, because Ooh, there is. I like there underwater. Are, there are some people speculating um, that the Titanic is haunted. In fact, there are some people claiming that's true. That, that they that pictures exist showing ghostly faces on the wreck of the Titanic. I'm sure they do. Yeah, uh, but this is an, an under an underwater um, ghost. It uses some profanity, but I'm not going to repeat the profanity. Really? Um, no, because it's a very bad profanity. We could be edgy. No, it begins with F and ends in King. Ah. We're not going to use that one on this show. Yeah. I could use the, I'll use the Irish version of it, which isn't a swear word. Oh, um, but this creepy tale is uh, accounted by a Reddit user <coughs> on a diving and angling forum who says that he was once fishing off the dock with his mother and sister when something incredibly odd came floating to the surface as he bent over to pick up some bait. There, directly in front of his face, a creepy head bobbed up to the surface, withered and green in colour, and it glared at the witness for a moment before sinking back down below the surface. He said of the surreal incident, I can still remember that fecking face, but it wasn't scared. I wasn't scared the first time I saw it. I was purely shocked. But that face was terrifying, like the 1990s Pennywise, the clown, terrifying. These days I try to play it off as something paranormal or spiritual. But if that was some sort of living creature, then this world is a scary place. Hmm. Wow, that's a good observation. It could have just been a... I mean, people get chopped up by boats or fall into rivers and chopped up by boats and eaten and you know, uh, heads uh, uh, piss off some gang members and chop well, them up. well I thought they just buried them under bridge supports didn't they no no we have many ways of you know. oh okay um, yeah uh, I mean what's interesting is that last line uh, these days I try to play it off as something paranormal or spiritual but if it was what some sort mean? of I think he's saying, well, if it's paranormal, then that's okay. Oh, okay. But if, if it was some sort of living creature, then this world is a scary place. Well, it might have been some sort of ex-living creature, like a real person. You see what happens uh, to a person when they're in the water for a long time? Oh, uh, well, so having been a nurse for, for a number of years, and yes, I have. I see yeah. the results of, um, yeah, when they fish him out the river. I know on the on the morning edition we uh, we uh, I guess it was a couple of weeks back we talked about uh, five gross things that happens to your body when you die and uh, yeah I'll tell you what it's really gross we were, we were working one night and the um, 
was actually the police deposited a, a body. Now, it has to come in via uh, accident and emergency, the, the British equivalent of the ER, uh, because obviously identification has to be carried out and death yes. has to be certified, even though it was very obviously dead. Mm. Um, you broke up least, stick. Uh, Well, <laughs> it, arrived, it arrived sealed in the body bag, but you have to open the body bag. Now, it's obviously all wet and very smelly. Um, yeah. And it's, well, yeah, the cadaver is dead. But there's quite a lot of things inside the cadaver that ain't. Oh, like, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah, it's that classic moment when, after about three minutes after opening the, the zipper, um, and we were proceeding to go through the pockets and look for jewellery with a coroner's officer, right. uh, out popped a crab <laughs> from the mouth. Oh! Which was, which was, it was quite a moment. Um, one of the, one... No, one of the students, it wasn't very big, it was about two inches across, but one of the student nurses uh, had to leave the room in a hurry and then find a vomit bowl. Um, I was made of sterner stuff, actually, but it wasn't, I mean, yeah, I mean, the human body, people, like my wife, who, who spends an hour or more in the bath, uh, I, I take five minutes in the bath for that reason. You know, you spend too long in water, you turn green and go smelly. Uh, so you telling me that your wife turns greens and goes smelly? No, but I wouldn't risk it. It's like I wouldn't <laughs> risk boiling an egg for 30 seconds. <laughs> Fair enough. Not, you know, we are waterproof to an extent, but uh, no, I mean, it is uh, decomposition uh, in water does happen very rapidly and the body just falls to bits. You know, it doesn't, uh, it, you know, bits detach and fall off and, you know, I, I remember I mean, one is, summer. Isn't that why we soak, uh, you know, hams and stuff in water? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I remember one summer I was working on a fishing boat. Um, I had a summer job on a, a little inshore pleasure fishing boat that used to take anglers out uh, five miles or so. And periodically the, the skipper, Otto, had a, he had a small trawl net. And so when we didn't have any fishermen on or we were going to and from, we would trawl for bait or stuff he could sell down the market, fish he could sell down the market. And uh, we were trawling off the River Mersey. Um, we were working our way back to... Is there toward... a song like that? Trawling off the village Mersey. That's the song, yeah. It's well known. Um, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Well, it was about 11 o'clock at night. We couldn't lock back in to the um, dock until 3 a.m. So we were we were making our way back, and uh, we decided that, or Otto decided, that we might as well put the trawl out. And I was sitting at the back of the boat, captivated by the, you know, that phosphorescence that you get, that weird sort of glow on the water? Because obviously out at sea, there's no, there's no um, street lighting or ambient mm -hmm. lighting. And so you do get the this weird phosphorescent glow. The seawater glows when it's disturbed. It's really, really cool to see. There's, there's bacteria that's uh, phosphorescent. Yeah, so I heard, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was really cool. I'd never seen it. Yeah, it is pretty first cool. Hand. I was fascinated by this. Anyway, the, uh, the, the two uh, lines off the rear Samson post went tight. And uh, it was obvious we'd got something big in the net. It was normally, you know, it was normally a rock or something. Right. Oca occasionally something, you know, something else. But most often it's a big rock. So we slowed, we, we, you know, we stopped the engine and started to uh, pull the net back in uh, to make sure the, the net wasn't damaged. And one of the problems out there is 
very occasionally because the area was quite uh, the Liverpool and the Mersey were quite heavily attacked by the Germans in World War Two. Mm-hmm. You can sometimes pull up a mine or a shell. Oh, jeez, nice. And we were a little bit concerned, and we didn't. We pulled up a body, uh, um, which had obviously been there for quite some throw time. Throw it back, or no? I don't think so. Huh? Well, well. Uh, I, I don't know what the, the what the legal position is, but Otto decided to uh, cut it adrift. Really? He, it just sank straight back down again. Um, he 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 was obviously aware. I mean, he'd been at sea for thirty something years, and yeah. you know, as he said afterwards, he said, "There's nothing we can do for them." Um, sure, fair enough. And I was I was sort of thinking, well, you know, perhaps the families might ought to know about it. Yeah, but, that would be kind of nice too. Yeah. But then it's you know, as he said, he's going to spend the next six months, uh, you know, filling out forms and answering. Oh uh, yeah, that's the bad part. And it, he's the captain. He just decided just that we would just cut, or he cut it adrift, mm. uh, and let it go sink back down again. I mean, it could have been a burial at sea. I mean, that's that happens in UK waters. That is allowed. Yeah, and we, were, we have it too, by the way. Yeah, we were uh, we were you know still some miles out, and so it, it was potentially possible that it was a, a burial at sea. Mm. Um, and so he he took the decision, and we did, um, we did, and it sank. It, you know, it, in fact, reading that story, um, it, it bobbed when it bobbed up to the surface with the net. It did look withered and a bit green in colour. And as we cut it, you know, as we released it from the auto, released it from the net, it did sink back below the surface to disappear. And it was kind of a surreal incident, and that's why I remember it so vividly. Um, but there we are. It, you know. I don't think that you know, I don't play play. I don't like this um, gentleman telling the account. These days, I do not try and play it off as something paranormal or spiritual because mm. it was a living creature. Mm. More than likely, an ex-living creature, but it's probably full of living creatures. Could be. Anyways, you know, talking about the fluorescent stuff, I remember uh, seeing this uh, documentary about uh, a couple of fighter pilots that uh, were doing this night maneuver, they had to go away from the uh, aircraft carrier and uh, they couldn't have great radio silence. They had to work on strictly uh, navigation while his got screwed up and he was lost. And uh, what he ended up doing, he just saw a fluorescent glow in the water like a trail and uh, he followed it right back to the carrier because what it had done is is pretty much what you were talking about the the engine had turned up the fluorescent bacteria or, or plankton and uh, you know left it in its wake so he just followed it right back to the aircraft carrier yeah it's very cool to see it I know I isn't think- it it's all the cool things in this world we don't know about yeah it's, in, it's, it's, it's incredibly bright as well um but I've seen it subsequently. Sometimes, if you're down at the coast, um, and certain times of the year, no, oh, wow. norm, normally late summer, early fall, you can see it on really dark nights. If you're, you know, away from uh, street lighting and ambient lighting, as the waves break, they will also glow. Hmm. Um, as exactly the same effect. And that's uh, the, it's uh, fantastic no. to see. Which means the creature from the Black Lagoon is here, so we have to go leave. Have we have any anchovy on the pizza? Yeah. 
Yeah, anchovies, very good. Uh, did you ever see that Creature in Black Lagoon? <coughs> oh, of course. And That's the remake. Classic. And the remake. I actually had a model of that when I was a kid. I used to make models, and uh, I had that model. Kind of destroyed. Like, like all films, yeah, they they keep remaking these films, though, don't they? Yeah, but the originals are kind of cool in the way, just the the way they watch them and stuff. I mean, the way they made them and everything. Anyways, uh, the thing, the thing is a classic. I like the original thing better than any remake, including, uh, you know, some of the big project projectors. Uh, but anyways, we got to go. Uh, we have to mention though that don't forget this fall, Steve will be joining us again. Not searching for sea monsters, but uh, he will be here for uh, Spirit Quests. The X-Files, that's on September 27th, 28th, and 29th. So stay tuned. And and I've got some very cool talks lined up for for 2019. Some really cool stuff. So, anyways, it's time to wrap it up, I guess. It is, it is, it is. Hopefully next week we might have a guest. Oh, go away. <laughs> Anyways, we want to wish all. So radio, yeah, happy Thanksgiving. We want to wish all our American uh, listeners uh, happy Thanksgiving, and those in the UK. Well, tough luck. You don't oh, have a holiday. Uh, well, yeah, I mean Thanksgiving. It's the day America celebrates when it used to be English. Right. Here's the tunes. We got to go. So have a happy Thanksgiving. And see you next week. Remember, it's when you were English. Right. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good Lord.